Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I am your host, Anna Cash, and I'm here with my co-host, Jenny, and today we are going to talk about how to safely alter a canning recipe. I hope you guys enjoy these episodes. We totally enjoy making them, so (laughs) today we are going to talk about how to safely alter a canning recipe. A lot of times, as master food preservers, we're like, don't change your recipe, only use tested recipes, end all be all. But there are some safe alterations you can make in a canning recipe. So first off, we're going to talk about how to safely alter a recipe and then maybe some examples of it. Does that sound good, Jenny? It sounds awesome. Yeah, I hope you guys are digging this podcast. If you ever have questions, don't forget you can email perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com. It gives us great ideas for episodes. We can email you right back with an answer. But yeah, let's dive in. I feel like I get asked this pretty often, like, well, I like this recipe, but I don't want this. I don't want that. Or I want to add this. Right. So I think it's a great topic. Okay, so let's jump in. So the first way that you can alter a canning recipe is by altering the amount. First off, you can alter the amount of your canning recipe. You can cut the recipe in half, which means that you can cook the recipe faster And there is no shame in small batch canning. A few jars totally adds up and will help bolster your pantry shelves. Doubling recipes is a popular thing to do, but there are some tips. Doubling a batch of jam leads to longer cook times. Like it takes longer for it to come to a boil. And that longer time will or can cause your pectin, the natural gelling agent in fruit, to cook off and just basically evaporate before your very eyes. So instead of just doubling the quantity of jam that you're making in one pot, a better practice would be to prepare double the fruit and cook them in separate pots on the stove at the same time. That does require you to be pretty proficient at multitasking on the stove, but that's much better than just one pot because you want that jam to be able to come up to a boil really quickly Um, And you don't want to have to be boiling and boiling and boiling, trying to thicken and having your pectin disappear. You can also alter with spices. So Anna is a pro at using dried peppers, dried spices, herbs, and you can add that to recipes without any change or very minimal change to the pH of a recipe. So Anna, tell us a little bit about some of the dried peppers and dried spices that you use to spice up literally and figuratively your canning recipes. (laughs) 
Sure. So I make a lot of pepper jellies and in a recipe, if it's not recommended to use like a large amount of say like habaneros, um, because they're just low acid and maybe the fruit I'm using is like a lower acid as well. What I will do is I will kick it up a notch with dried pepper powders. I've linked it in another episode about charcuterie boards, I believe, but the company that I love is called the Sonoran Spice Company and they're out of Arizona and they just dry a bunch of peppers and then grind them up into powder. And I feel like that's such a bigger value added for me to add those spices rather than the actual peppers for certain recipes. So that's how I use that spiced pepper powder. That's genius, Anna. That's so smart. You can also add peppercorns, bay leaves, clove, ground or whole. Juniper berries are kind of fun in pickled vegetables. Just start with a few. And of course, all these items, if they're wild, so to speak, like a juniper berry would be to wash them first. But those types of spices can be a really great way to alter a canning recipe without risking the safety of the recipe. The next thing that I think adds so much punch is essential oils. So you can use a high quality essential oil that's meant for internal consumption. Just a few drops of oregano or rosemary or black pepper or lime can add a ton of flavor to a whole batch and it doesn't require you to chop any greenery up and then figure out, okay, so if I add half a cup of this greenery, does that change the pH? It probably would. And then the other thing I think to weigh out when you're thinking of using essential oils is a lot of times they're replacing like a very fragile leafy green, like cilantro, for example, does not can well. It's so thin mm-hmm. and that heat, it just like turns to like a little, like a smudge of green slime. Right. It's not very appetizing. <laughs> yeah. So the essential oils in particular... <laughs> <laughs> the essential oils can really uh, circumvent just adding those like delicate leafy greens. What other essential oils could you think of that would be awesome to add, Anna? Well, I have a friend who uses quite a few essential oils in her salsa. So she'll add like a couple drops of lime essential oil and black pepper essential oil. But you do need to be careful. They are pretty strong. So I would recommend starting with like maybe a toothpick amount to start and just see how it goes because you can totally, speaking from personal experience, you can totally overpower a recipe with essential oils if you aren't careful. Yeah. But I I like using them. I think they're fun. Oh, and they're so helpful, especially in a tomato recipe. Tomatoes recipes in particular, you need to be very thoughtful about making alterations because they are so close to that water bath processing acid value cutoff. But using a drop or two of essential oil can really pack a punch. And then you mm-hmm. don't have to figure out or find a different recipe. You can just add a drop or two and then reap that flavor reward without worrying about if you've changed the acid values. That's especially good in tomato recipes or especially valuable. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. So can you add salt or sugar without changing the pH or safety? They used to believe that sugar did change the pH of like your jams or whatever you added it to. But in recent years, they've found that that is not the case. Mm. Uh, So 
yeah, if you're making preserves, you can uh, use less sugar if you want. There's recipes that are low sugar recipes or no sugar recipes. Ball, Serto, you know, all of your pectin packets will probably have some additional sugar in that pectin packet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys know that, but a lot of pectin packets have citric acid, pectin, and sometimes a sweetener. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. So to piggyback on what Anna is saying, you can refer to our episode all about pectin for more about using different kinds of pectin. But you should know that some pectins are specifically designed for using no or less sugar. So if you're making jam and you want to alter a canning recipe, the best bet for going forward would be to get a box of low or no sugar pectin and follow the recipe inside the box because that will give you a jam that is set that uses less Mm -hmm. sugar. I wouldn't take a tested canning recipe that has eight cups of sugar and then just think like you're going to use half that. I mean, you can, there's nothing unsafe about that, (laughs) but you're probably not going to have jelly or no, you won't have jam or jelly. You'll have something much softer. Yeah. And then we asked, you asked about salt, Anna. So can you add or change the amount of salt in a canning recipe? Yeah, that's totally safe as well. So adding or removing salt in a recipe is no big deal. I personally like to use salt in my recipes just because like for me, if I'm canning meat or something, like I want to have like a good flavor. So I will add salt. I will add spices, dried spices, things like that. Yeah. And The thing to keep in mind about salt and sugar and altering recipes is that they both act as preservatives. So if you omit them, then just know that the quality of your canned item, one, might be a little different than what you're expecting, and two, it may not last at the high quality that you're hoping. So just just be thoughtful when you're omitting those things and know that sugar in a particular can change the texture of the preserve for sure. The next thing that people love to alter are low acid veggies like garlic, onions, leeks, and spicy or mild peppers. And those unfortunately are really a problem or can cause problems because they're low in acid. For safe canning, use the amount specified in the tested canning recipe. And if you are cutting the recipe in half or doubling it, just double check your math. And if it's me, triple check to make sure you have those ratios correct so that you're not ending Mm up with a (laughs) mixture that is lower in acid than what the tested recipe requires. Perfect. And and also I would add, Jenny, if you want to add more onion flavor or garlic flavor, we talked about it earlier, is like use a powder. That powder will not change the pH of like, say you're doing a tomato sauce or something. You can totally add more of that flavor if you enjoy it. That's a great idea. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches super fast steam canning at startcanning.com. Use the code POD25, that's P-O-D 25, to get 25% off those courses today. So Anna, give us some ideas for spicing up recipes. I feel like Anna is so great at taking a basic and making it not basic at all, making it extra special, extra spicy, extra amazing. 
what do you do to alter canning recipes that makes them fancy? (laughs) My kids joke around and call it like bougie jams or bougie recipes, but it's basically like pairing spices or herbs with fruit. For me, it's fruit. Like I love making like, I don't know, like a strawberry jam with chamomile or something or thyme or, you know, just to give it a little bit of a a punch, like an unexpected pairing. One of my most popular jams is a blackberry basil jam where I use fresh basil with my blackberry jam and it's so good and just kind of like an unexpected pairing. It doesn't have to be like in your face, like I'm basil and I'm going to take over the world, (laughs) which basil sometimes does. But, but yeah, just a little bit of an unexpected herb or spice, I think is just so fun for the blase. I don't know. Like I, I just am geeky that way, but I just love fun combinations like that. Well, and I think it can make a recipe more versatile, really, if it has some of those savory elements like the spice i think then it it can go from an everything bagel with cream cheese to something that you can use to baste on your roasted chicken it gives it more uses i think if you if you explore those things i think it can make it more versatile so one thing that i have kind of been exploring so my kids are 9 and 11 one thing i've been looking into is coloring So I'm not interested in adding artificial colors to what I'm canning or cooking. But actually, my daughter got a book all about making those cute little cookies, the macaroon cookies for Christmas. Oh, cute. And those are often a rainbow of colors. So in my non-toxic food coloring research, I found this great company that looks amazing called Suncor Foods. And they have all these different powders that are made from fruits and vegetables that are safe for food coloring, but they're just a powder, right? So they have like a beetroot powder that's this beautiful, rich, purpley red, and they have blue and hot pink. And I think if you, sometimes you can something and you're like, eh, you know, and you want to really like make it shine or be, you know, a different color, a brighter color, a more intense version of what it is. Right. I would say that you could totally check out adding a powder like that. I mean, of course you can use artificial coloring all you want. That's fine. But I just wanted to mention this, these natural food colors that looked really, really awesome that you could use to alter your canning recipe, just like the powdered spices. A little bit of powdered food coloring is not going to be an unsafe alteration. Yeah. I love that. That's a great idea. Oh, good. I'm glad you think so. Let's talk about making safe recipe substitutions. When you're making safe recipe substitutions, you can check out my acid and canning chart. We'll link it in the show notes. It just lists all the data that's on the Cooperative Extension Office websites, but just in a pretty chart. And it just shows all the foods that are more acid than 4.6 and all the foods that are less acid than 4.6. And you can swap out for the same volume ingredients that have a similar acid value But the thing is that the result may be different. So for example, Anna, if you are making a raspberry jam and it doesn't have any pectin required in the recipe, if you swap out half of the raspberries for peaches, let's say, what might happen? Yeah. So it might not have enough pectin to set. 
you would have to cook it for quite a bit longer mm-hmm. to get it up to that 220 temp that I like. So just know that if you do swap out uh, fruits, like say uh, apricots for peaches or something, mm-hmm. like you could do it. It's just it just might give you different results. Right. And again, like just looking at the chart will give you an idea of like, oh, cranberries are really high in acid. That's a safe thing to swap out. But cranberries also are really high in pectin too. So that would just be something to keep in mind. Like you not only do you want a similar acid value, but also take a second to maybe Google what's the pectin, how much pectin are in peaches? Not much, friends, not much. (laughs) Yeah. Just so you know, what is the result going to be? Like this is true too, if you're not making a jam, but like my sister and I both are big applesauce canners and feeding our kids various fruit sauces. And just as soon as you get away from the apple and start adding pears or peaches to the sauce, it's just not as thick, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Our kids are eating soft sauce, right? (laughs) But you just know that that the pectin is going to be different if you make alterations like that. Yeah. I do love Jenny's pH chart. She made it so cute. Uh, So you should definitely print that out, put it on your fridge or wherever you do your canning and just reference it. Something that I always do too, when I'm working with a new fruit is I always, like Jenny said, Google how much pectin it is, or maybe where the pectin lies in the product. I had to do that with some red currants. And pectin is actually uh, in the stems. So that's why in the recipe, it recommends boiling the stems and the berries in water Mm. to extract some of that, uh, not only the juice, but also the pectin from the stems, which I found fascinating. Yeah, such a valuable tip because, yeah, you might think like, oh, it's in the flesh. Yeah, you, you might think it's in one place, but it might be in a totally different place on the fruit. Okay, if you want to change a recipe and add a low acid ingredient, you need to find a similar recipe that's been tested for pressure canning. Uh, You can listen to our episode all about using a pressure canner for more about that, but they do get hot enough 240 degrees to kill any spoiler present in any acid level. They aren't difficult to use and they allow for even greater variety of ingredients to be preserved. Perfect. So how... How do you know if you should alter a recipe? If you have an old recipe, look up other similar recipes. You can also reach out to your local extension office. If you don't have a good local extension office, and I say good, but really it's just like an active food preserving Mm -hmm. extension office, you can always reach out to somebody in a neighboring county. If you find a good one, then then stick with them. (laughs) One alteration many old recipes need, like Jenny said, the addition of an acidifying agent. So, you know, compare and contrast the ball recipes or an extension office recipe with the one that you have. Reach out to your extension office and try and make it right or make it similar. You may need to alter a processing time or method of an old recipe. So a lot of old recipes will have you use techniques that are no longer recommended, like open kettle or sealing with paraffin wax. Those practices are not recommended anymore. And they may have different adjustments for elevation. So a lot of old canning books 
either didn't have you adjust for elevation or just had you add one minute for every 1,000 feet, the recommended time now, um, now that we know better and do better, is that you add five minutes for every 1,000 feet of elevation. But just look at the methods. That's like the final piece of the recipe. Look at the methods and make sure that those are up to date. Perfect. I mean, I think it's fun to talk about like safe ways to alter a canning recipe. I think sometimes I get to be a stickler and I'm like, don't change a thing. But there are safe things that you can do to alter a recipe. I think this is a great episode that our listeners are going to love because I think there's just a lot. There's a lot more flexibility than you might necessarily think. And I think by choosing a safe method that we know is is not going to mess with your acid value, then you can do a lot to really take your canning to the next level. And that's what we want for our listeners. Canning taken to the next level. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I think that's all of our episode for today. And stay tuned for next week for a new episode from the Perfectly Preserved podcast. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.